Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number 115. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I am here, as usual, with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter, welcome. Hi, Rob. How are you doing today? Great. It's been a slow week. Yes. It's, you know, 4th of July week. Two Mondays. Yes. Kind of. Sort of. But there was something interesting that, that uh, newsworthy that came out this week. Uh, I wrote about it in the news roundup for this week, and uh, we discussed it earlier today. And I thought it was worth um, chatting about for the podcast because, well, there's always been this sort of, not always, but there's been an ongoing discussion about uh, what is my phone doing? Is it spying on me? Are the apps turning on the microphone and listening to my conversations? You know, people are starting to have these uh, concerns with the uh, digital assistants. You know, Echo or Google Home, things like that. I don't know. if Do you have those? I do not. And why don't you have them? Because they add no value to my life. <laughs> the same as I actually, I just got a dehumidifier last night. And um, I was going around in Costco with the dehumidifier yeah. in my cart. And another customer s- saw it and said, oh, where did you get that? And he, we started talking about it a little bit. And he's like, does it have Wi-Fi? Does it have Wi-Fi? The humidifier. The hu- dehumidifier. Dehumidifier, whatever. Yeah. It's they're yeah. two different, two different totally two, two different. totally they really are two <laughs> totally different things. Right. Well, it's a good question. I didn't check cuz I assumed that it Why? wouldn't. Why would it? Um but yeah, I'm I'm in the market for a dishwasher too and I really want to make sure that I don't buy anything with Wi-Fi on it. Or Bluetooth. Well. Because why? Well, Peter, this conversation, this topic, today's topic is just, it's going to thrill you. It is really just going to, you know, you're just going to be amazed. And, yes, I'm shaking, I'm nodding my head in <laughs> agreement and, and, and smiling, yes. So, uh, Northeastern University, our, our own uh, local university here in the Boston area, uh, some uh, academics, I, actually uh, professors, computer science uh, professors and students. Uh, I don't know what the exact breakdown uh, uh, here is. Uh, there are five individuals that co-authored this paper at Northeastern. Uh, wrote about sort of the subject of, you know, phones potentially spying on users. And they looked into the concerns that people have had in the reports. I mean, there have been reports of people saying, I think my phone, my phone is listening to me because how am I getting these targeted ads if it's not, if, if it's not listening to my conversations? Um, so they, the, these researchers, they got together, they sat down, they tested, this is amazing, 17,260 Android apps. That's a lot. And they picked, they tried to pick the most popular ones. Uh, they picked them from Google Play as well as AppChina, me.com, and Anzi, A-N-Z-H-I. I don't really know what that, what that is, where that is exactly. Uh, well, the first and the third are, I checked when I was fact-checking your story. They are both uh, 
based in China. China, right? right. I knew I knew App China, and I but I thought Me.com was too. Am I? I I had trouble finding an exact match for that one, but I'm, my guess is that it also is. Hmm. Uh, in any case, they got these apps. They got a bunch of phones. They set them up. They connected them to Wi-Fi. They started doing static and dynamic analysis of the apps on these devices, loading apps. And uh, they monitored the activity. They, you know, they used these automated um, uh, scripts or what, whatever. And they started you know, tracking what these devices were doing, what permissions they were asking for, what they were doing without permission. And the thing, the, the thing that they determined was that all of these concerns about the Android, you know, not specifically Android apps, but apps in general or devices in general, using the microphone to record conversations, they didn't find any evidence of that at all. So that's great. Well, they didn't find any evidence of it. It's not to say that there is no evidence of it. Uh, yeah, or that, 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 that it's not happening. Right? Absence of evidence is not evidence of well, absence. Well, they, they do cite that exact thing <laughs> later on in the paper, though not not the exact wording, but uh -huh. they, they, you know, the spirit of that statement they uh, invoke uh, later in the paper. What they did find was that some of these apps were recording video and screen grabs of the screen, of the activity on the screen. Like literally, you turn on some of these apps, the app starts using, you know, starts recording video of what is going on on your screen. I mean, that's that's pretty freaky. It's not the same as like a turning your phone into a listening device. That's pretty bad. And not to overstate this because it doesn't seem like it's a widespread problem. Again, they did more than 17,000 apps. They said it's just a few. Very few, or not, I don't think they said very few, but few. They said they found several of these apps, but it amounted to few of, uh, of the 17,000 numbers. And they said it's some examples. And one was GoPuff, a food delivery app. Never, okay. I, I've never heard. Never of heard of it, but I, then I never heard of caviar. Well, you and I are on the same wavelength. We don't have a lot of apps, correct? I, I've been, I've been, I've pared down definitely. Oh, I thought you were going to say you've added more. No, I you and I are like zero app, not, not zero, not, not but quite, like, but but yeah, like when I when for a ride sharing app, yeah. I generally take that. I delete it unless I I know I'm going to need it coming up for oh, travel. Interesting. Delete and then reinstall. Yes. Uh, we're probably going to find out that they found some way around that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, Leave it's some type of agent on the device, maybe. <laughs> there, there's no way to avoid uh, these things. I mean, there's there, there's a cookie, cookie, uh, but or, or I think they call them bugs. But there's all kinds of things that people can do. And one of the things that I wanted to mention that, yeah. um, you know, it's not new that we're worried about this. I remember oh, no. Because when back in the old days when we had uh, IBM PCs with hard drives that had little green or red lights that flashed when they were uh, doing a read or write, um, once we got to the point where we're doing uh, fairly complex uh, non-graphical applications and then into Windows when Windows first came out, first, first came out, uh, what would happen?
happen is that sometimes your computer would start all of a sudden churning, thrashing the drive, and or apparently thrashing it, or maybe just fiddling with, you know, maybe some activity there. And because there was because the, these the ten megabyte hard megabyte hard drives were noisy, so when they started thrashing a little bit, you hear it, yeah. you see it. And you start th wondering what's going on. I mean, this is before uh, Wi-Fi, certainly before even Ethernet was uh, was common. This is the old days. The old days, when you were when the only connection you had to another uh, network was through a telephone line. But but these things would happen, and, and and a lot of people would start seeing that and wondering what was going on. And of course, some of them went to the conspiracy space. But sometimes that was what was happening yeah i mean a lot of people thought their devices were listening to them and it turns out you know again no evidence that there was that activity going on but they found activity pretty blatant activity of this going on via video what they they, they termed it video exfiltration so basically some of these apps were just you know, as soon as you started using them, they would record um, what was going on via the screen. And the, like you said, this isn't this has been talked about for a while. There was a, actually research last year. Uh, Stephen Engelhart was one of them, and I don't remember the other guys that were involved, but they uh, were looking at exfiltration of personal data through what's called a session replay scripts on desktops. Mm. So you're like you're in a browser, and it's basically recording everything that's going on. In uh, like on your desktop, that's that's crazy. And this is this even goes a step, maybe not a step further, but it's. I mean, you're you're enabling the the recording function. You're taking screen captures and video of what's going on on your device, and who knows what you could be doing or what you could be looking at. And they and they explain in the paper in this example, this GoPuff app was basically, you know, it was transmitting this data to a third party analytics firm. And the web analytics firm actually had this SDK, like the, the, it was using this software, the GoPuff app, to to collect this data. And there was no, it didn't ask for permission to do this. It didn't notify the users that it was doing this. It didn't violate, so it was able to do this on Android, no questions asked, no notifications, and transmit this data, which you know could be phone numbers or zip codes or whatever, on that window as you're interacting with that app and then sending it over the internet unencrypted. That was the other thing. They only cited examples of like, you know, completely unsecured transmissions of this data to third parties. And that's, you know, that stuff's out there. So like you could, if you were so inclined, you could start sniffing the traffic from, you know, a, a people's mobile devices to see where it's going, which is exactly what the researchers did. And so my question to you, Peter, number one is, are you surprised? No. Well, what I am kind of surprised about is that they that there was a positive, like a good news, bad news, or bad news, good news spin, where you are turning into the pessimist. Uh, maybe. <laughs> is that is that bad? No. Okay. You're good. <laughs> well, um, the good news, bad news thing. Um, the bad news being that it's possible and that they found some evidence of, of some apps that were doing some of these things. The good news being that they didn't find proof of the thing that was alleged doesn't convince me because 
they didn't say they that it wasn't there. They said they couldn't find it. Yeah. Um, and also something that you mentioned earlier uh, about unencrypted content. Would they have been able to identify if there was encrypted content being that w- that had been so captured? They didn't mention that explicitly. Explicitly, I'd have to go back and read the paper, but I would assume that. And maybe this is wrong to assume, but like even y- y- if you found like an encrypted stream of traffic going to a specific domain, mm-hmm. I, that would you, you would at le- it would at least alert your suspicions, right? Right. If you're like, oh, I know this domain is owned by this advertiser, this web advertiser, this web analytics firm. That's odd. You don't know what the data is or why there's been, there's a transmission, but probably raise your suspicions. Right, but but at the same time, it's sort of if it is encrypted, it may look a little fishy. Yeah, and it, and if people are doing it for nefarious purposes, they're going to probably find IP addresses that they can direct to that are not right that that don't look too iffy. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's um, I mean, to your point though, on the good good news, bad news. I mean, they did say in. In the paper, and I'll, I'll read a section of it here, quote, Our study reveals se- several alarming privacy risks in the Android app ecosystem, including apps that over-provision their media permissions and apps that share image and video data with other parties in unexpected ways without knowledge, without user knowledge or consent. We also identify a previously unreported privacy risk that arises from third-party libraries that record and upload screenshots and videos of the screen without informing the user and without requiring any permission. So those libraries, like as an example, it would be this um, third party uh, uh, SDK, this app or this software that was um, used in the GoPuff app uh, from this company called Appsy. And they tracked, you know, in this this one example that they cite in the paper, you know, GoPuff, you turn it on, it starts recording. And then the Appsy part of the, of the, GoPuff app just starts sending the data to this domain. It's like, that's a little, and it's not, again, they don't try to hide it. It's all out in the open. Uh, out in the open is if you're scanning your network traffic. Exactly. But if you're not. And how many enterprises do you think are doing that with their mobile devices? I don't know. Like maybe a defense contractor might if you're worried about cyber espionage, but are you really like, do you think Tech Target is sniffing our mobile traffic right now? Like, no. Yeah, I hope not. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, I imagine that there are not. I mean, there are th- devices that are not corporate devices, but I guess if, they're, if, they're, if they were corporate devices, I don't even think they would be doing. May, I mean, I guess it, it sounds like everybody should be doing that. Well, that's but the question. Like, should they? Because it, the apps, what the apps are doing, and these, you know, these third-party libraries, these third-party advertisers, and I, I don't want to minimize this because you know I'm big into privacy, but like, it's not like it's definitely reckless and it's a privacy violation. But is it? It's not a huge threat, is it? I guess it'd be a huge threat threat if somebody knew that this was going on. They could just sit there and just start sniffing the traffic and pulling, you know, PII off of these transmissions. Well, I, 
think the, 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 what's of greater concern to me anyway is that if, if legitimate companies with legitimate, with presumably legitimate, I want to use open uh, 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 finger quotes, uh, need to have, and close finger quotes, need to have uh, this data, yeah, and they're able to do it, and it's not a big deal, and 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 I don't get any kind of warning or anything. I mean, if you, as you and I both know, if you look at your permissions to to your apps, like some of these apps have a lot of access to a lot of stuff. Yep. Um, but the 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 point being, if these so-called legitimate companies that are doing things that supposedly benefit the consumer are able to do it then surely illegitimate users and illegitimate actors are, are using the same That's stuff. That's true. And they don't have a legitimate reason to get my information or your information. And they're, and, and they're able to, they're probably finding ways to bypass uh, uh, filters as well and, and, and scanning. And so, and, and that's where this sort of good news, bad news thing comes into play, just to circle back to that. In, the, in this other part of the paper, I'll, I'll quote it. They say, on one hand, this is good news, very large fraction of the apps are not abusing the ability to record media. On the other hand, it could also indicate that our analysis miss other, missed other cases of media leaks. I mean, and there, are, there are only, I mean, they, they, I encourage people to read the paper because it's, it's, you know, it's very detailed. They offer other examples besides the GoPuff app and they, they go through the methodology and explain how they how they set things up and how they do it. It's very interesting. But again, it's only six people that are doing, that are sitting there doing this research. Uh, it doesn't say how long, but that's a lot of apps and a lot of data to be monitoring. And on that point, next question, should Google have known that this was going on? Should, should Google, I mean, at first, I kind of sat there and I thought to myself, how are they supposed to know with this many thousands of apps that these legitimate apps, not, not fake apps, not malicious apps, but real legitimate apps, enterprise apps, consumer apps, whatever you want to call them, they're grossly violating Google's requirements for the Google Play Store, like really bad. These are huge privacy violations. So, is there anything that Google can do about it? Uh, that, see, that's a good one. Like uh, proactively. Yeah, I mean, speaking as a non-expert who has no idea of what the stop. You've written books. Uh, yes, but not about uh, truth. Not about about. Anyway, speaking as a non-expert, um, who has no idea of the of the difficulties and the challenges involved in in solving this particular problem, but. I'll say that Google should have a way that they that the, is some kind of a testing suite where they run an app through a battery of tests to make sure that it's not doing what it's not supposed to do, that it is doing what it is supposed to do, and that it's not uh, leaking data, and have that be the way that they enforce their terms and conditions. That said. Do I have any further? I mean, it w you would think that if there is a list of things that you are allowed and not allowed to do, that there should be a way to enforce that. And and that would mean yeah. banning the, the apps. 
And really right now, the only enforcement they have, I mean, the researchers say this in the paper, if they notify GoPuff, GoPuff removed the AppSea uh, code from it, and, you know, and they updated the apps, they updated their privacy policy. They informed Google, Google said, we've taken the appropriate actions, but who knows what those are. I don't know if the app's been taken down. Um, but it's retroactive. I mean, there's, there's no putting that data back in the bottle. So if someone did get a hold of it, Let's actually scratch that. Someone did get a hold of it. Apsy got a hold of it. They have that data. They're going to give it back. Do users even know? Exactly. So it's out. So what type of punitive action should be taken against a company that does something like that? But more importantly, like what can you do to prevent that from happening before the, the proverbial bleep hits the fan? Well, it reminds me of... of um Bruce Schneier's opinions on uh, IoT security, where uh, I want to say a year and a half ago at, at RSA, he he started he was starting to he was beginning to to talk about uh, some of the issues with IoT and security and the fact that you can spin up a little one-off company to sell a ten-dollar product that you that costs you two. Right. You put in some IoT smarts into it. Um, and instead of uh, staying in business to, to service the updates, you walk away from it and you just di- you just abandon it. So all this all this data, it, all these devices and all these things that are insecure are out there, and there's no way to fix them, and there's no central authority for them. Yep. Now, if you look at it in terms of apps, it's it's kind of even worse because not only can you walk away from an app, but uh, we've we may even have spoken about it in this room. Uh, people who are not necessarily primarily developers come up with a little app, does a, you know does what they want it to do. Spin it up quick. They spin it up quick, but they you know they do to solve their problem and they give it to some friends and then they start selling it, and then they get ten or twenty thousand users and it becomes a bear to maintain. They have to do support. Yep. They have to do lots of things. It's not their job and they're not making a lot of money from it. So. Somebody else, some malicious actor, comes over and says, "Oh, I'm a legitimate businessman. I'd like to buy your app, and we'll take care of it. We'll treat it the same way you did." Sure. Until they get it, and then they turn it into a little malware thing. Yeah. And so, how is how is Google supposed to police that? So, no, it, those are good questions. And I, like I said, at first, I kind of sat here and said to myself, or sat it at my desk as I was writing this and reading about the paper and I said well you know I don't know how Google was supposed to know this and prevent it right then I thought to myself well you know a group of six people granted academics but you know they've got other crap to do besides do do this research right they sat down and did this and is it a huge problem again it's it's only a few apps but it does seem like it's something that would be good for Google to do. Sh- should they be required to do it? No, I don't think it, it re- you know, required would be a strong word, but I definitely think it's they're capable of doing it. I think they're capable of putting a small team together and running these apps and doing, you know, static and dynamic code analysis and tracking, you know, data transmissions and data usage and all that stuff. I guess more importantly, you know, and I think I included this part in my story. You've got Android P coming out. They they made a point. Google made a point. Where like, they they sat there and they said, 
hey, we're not going to allow apps to use the microphone to use these media sensors like without permission in the background. Well, this isn't in the background. This is in the foreground. This app is running on the device and is doing this in plain sight. So if you if you can sit down and craft Android in a way that is going to shut off that abuse in the background, well, there should be a way, and again, maybe this is a tall order, and I'm not an app developer or an OS developer. I don't know the ins and outs of Android. But it seems like there should be a way to include a feature that says this app doesn't have permission to be doing what it's doing in terms of uh, with the media sensors. And if it's using it and it doesn't have permission, kill it. You know, a, a notification to the user saying this device is recording you want to continue. It does not have permission to record. Or do you want, you know, something that prevents this from happening because Look, again, like you said, they only found a few, but you have to kind of think to yourself, there's more, right? The ones they didn't find. I have to think there's there's a lot out there that they didn't find. There are whole companies that are that, that do nothing but look for ways to harvest data on us and yeah. steal data and get around privacy policies and get around sort of the ethics of, you know, intruding on people's personal data and personal lives. So it's probably worse not to be the pessimist. But now I guess I've turned you to the dark side. So that's good, Peter. Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the, the thing that, that strikes me again and again and again over time, computers have always been powerful tools for personal agencies. So yeah. you, can, you can be in control if you know how to make the computer do what you want it to do. Unfortunately, as time has gone on from back in the IBM PC XT days, we've we've gone from having total control over what a computer is allowed to do because we know where config yeah. files are and where all the buttons are. Yep. Um, now everything is designed to make it easier for people to use the computer, to use the programs, the apps, the phones, the devices, but they're n but they're also putting that into a form that is not easy for the you, the consumer to control. So, for example, I'm still looking for a way that I can quickly and e I mean, it shouldn't be hard to turn something on or off on my iPhone. But when I leave my house, I want my Wi-Fi off, that which means I have to remember to unlock it, open the settings. Yep. Go and go and turn Wi-Fi off, not just disconnect from my local network, because I don't want that beaconing out everywhere I go on my Wi-Fi. And that can be misused as it pings for, and we've talked about that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but the, the 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 whole thing is, why is it so hard for me to turn that off, but so easy for Apple to control it and to keep it turned on? And that is what tells me that the people. The entities getting the benefit of these computers is no longer the person that's buying them; it's the person that's the, the entity that's selling them. You really have co I have completed your turn to the to the pessimist side. I love it. Yeah, over that's time great. you turn from one way to the other. Yeah. Over the years, you'll find. I'll feel guilty about this. Like come next week when you're, <laughs> you know, like frothing at the mouth and ranting about like gross injustices of the, the you know the the tech industry and all that, but. 
for now. Well, I mean, I'm going to show you my, my Faraday bag for my phones All right. next week. That Can I you get me one? Next time I see one, I'll, right. I'll get two, one for you, one for me. Well, thank you for discussing this one with me. I thought it, I thought you were going to be the optimist, but, I, you know, it, it's. I'm glad that we share our, uh, you know, uh, similar views on this one. Um, but thank you, as always, Peter, for joining me. Always very glad to be here. And thank you to the readers and listeners of Search Security. I'm Rob Wright, and we will see you next time.